0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. We welcome you here to Reynolds-Salem Missionary Baptist Church. We're blessed and honored that you would be here with us. And we're looking forward to having a good day in the Lord. This is the end of your search for a friendly church, and we try our best to live by that. Our church uh, mission statement is uh, Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Uh, DeVito and Steve are going to give us a couple of selections, and then we will move forward. Amen.
1: I will in the. Dad
2: because of you and nothing we've done to deserve the love and mercy you show your grace was strong enough to pick us up and you made our way when our backs were against the wall and it looked as if it was over You made a way That we're standing here Only because you made So you made a way When our backs were against the wall And it looked as if it was over You made a way Now we're standing here Only because you made Don't know how, but you did it, and my son is breathing. My son is breathing. My son is breathing. My family is okay, and we're standing here only because you made and we're standing. Cause you made a way made a way
1: Jesus You made a way When it looks like we couldn't make it You made a way When there were dark clouds in our life You were right there You made a way Don't know how, but you did it. Don't know how, but you did it. Don't know how, but you did it. Don't know how, but you
2: did it. Don't know how, but you 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 did it. it. And now we're standing here only because you made a way.
0: And amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, and we pray that people are blessed everywhere that may hear this word. Lord God, it's not me who is delivering the word, it's the power that's in your word that we rely on. We thank you, give you praise, honor, and glory that you rightly deserve. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Our message today is coming from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And... I'm going to preach from verses 1 through 3. The book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I'm preaching from verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read this from the New International Version. So, of course, if you've got another version, it will read a little differently. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And just for a few minutes, let us reason together from this topic soul cleaning. Soul cleaning. It's springtime in America. We know that it's the time of the year we call spring, and, and one of the long-standing traditions, one of the long-standing rituals, if you will, of spring is something called spring cleaning. Amen. may not be that people do that as much now as they did years ago, but certainly there are still some people uh, who engage in spring cleaning because we've been in winter, and this is you know, the first time since the winter season now that... Uh, for years and years it began to get a little warm now and people were excited about getting out and doing some different things. Uh, this is the time of the year that a lot of us look around our homes. We, we look around our storage sheds. We, we look inside of our barns and, and we're looking for things that we don't need anymore. Amen. Um, and after we decide what things are no longer useful and valuable to us then we uh, decide to remove those things from our lives. We Some things we, we, we throw away. We just decide they're no more good. We just throw them away. Then there are other things that we give away, and some things we might even sell away. You know, we have these yard sales. Uh, I lived in Florida for about 16 months, and it seemed like to me that yard sales were happening every weekend somewhere, even in the community that I lived in and all over, the Greater Orlando, Florida area. There was always somebody with a yard sale, but but this time of the year, this this springtime, during you know, in in the uh, spirit of spring cleaning, we get rid of things that we don't need because they create clutter in our lives. Sometimes Christians, sometimes we need to declutter our lives as well. Amen. We're so busy we don't actually think about the fact that over time we accumulate things and, um, spiritually speaking, I'm talking about. And and so sometimes we need to declutter our lives as well. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we are sanctified, but, but unclean things of this world are still around us. You know, we are we are not of the world, but we are still in this world, and the unclean things of the world are still around us and and if we're not careful, sometimes some of those unthing, clean, unclean things can get in us or stick on us. Amen, amen if we're not careful, sometimes the uncleanness uh, of the world can can stick on us and sometimes can actually get in us and so so church family, just like some of us have engaged in and we know about the idea of doing spring cleaning, sometimes we need to do some soul cleaning. Amen. Amen. Here's what I mean. Here's what I'm talking about, soul cleaning. Now, this particular uh, book of the Bible, the book of Hebrews, uh, there are many Bible scholars who say that they're not sure who wrote the book, but whoever the writer was, uh, he was concerned about Christians staying strong in our faith, in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 begins with the, the, the writer reminding us that, that we have a great cloud of witnesses. We have some spiritual role models uh, who are proof of Jehovah God's power to bless us and to use us and to strengthen us if we live by faith. Amen. Let me make a reference to Hebrews chapter uh, 11 and verse number one. That's called and considered the great hall of faith. Still in Hebrews, uh, still I'm still in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. The writer says that there are three things we should do. First, we should throw off everything that hinders us. Amen. Using Hebrews chapter Eleven for our context, I, I submit to you that the writer is telling us to get rid of everything that prevents us from living a life totally by faith. Amen. Everything like what? What are some of the things that hinder us and keep us from living totally by faith? Well, relationships. Relationships can hinder us. Uh, If if there's a person in my life who who tries to destroy my faith in Jesus, I I need to throw that person off. I I need to get rid of that person. I need to get him or her out of my life, if at all possible. Amen. Now, we know that there may be exceptions. We know there are exceptions. Sometimes there are family relationships that you just can't discard. and, And you probably don't really need to completely discard, but you certainly need to perhaps put some distance between yourself and anybody that's trying to convince you that you don't know who the Lord Jesus is and what you believe about him is not real. False pride is another thing that will hinder us from totally living by faith. You know, false pride is this attitude that I don't need to have faith in Jesus because I I can solve all my own problems. And if I can't solve my problems, I, I can find some other person who can help me with my problems. But But that's not true. Low self-esteem is another thing that can hinder us from totally living by faith. You know, I tell myself that I've been too bad or I've been too wretched or or, or I've been too sorry. I've, I've just been so so messed up and jacked up in my living that Jesus won't forgive me. But the fact of the matter is the person who's the most wretched, the person who's lived the most jacked up life, you are the exact person that Jesus died for. Look in the mirror. Every one of us can look in the mirror. And we can see that same person prior to Jesus coming into our lives. So, so you can live a more abundant life if you give your life to Jesus. So we need to understand that we as Christians, we need to sometimes do some soul cleaning. Amen. I'm still in verse number one. The second thing the Hebrew writer says in verse number one that we need to do says that we need to um, throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. This doesn't make sense because good church folks, we don't have any sins in our lives. Isn't that right? We we don't have any sins. Well, um, there was a man named Paul, and just FYI, Paul is one of the people that some scholars believe may have written Hebrews, but you know, again, it's not definitive, but but we know Paul wrote a whole lot of other books in the New Testament, and, and Paul wrote the book of Romans, and, and he was one of the greatest servants, one of the greatest evangelists uh, that ever lived, and in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse first, verses 15 through 25, Paul admits that he often struggles with the sin nature living inside of him. When we get saved, yes, the Holy Spirit does come, and he dwells and indwells us but there is still a sin nature within us why because we're still living in flesh and blood right now one day we will be transformed physically transformed we're spiritually and emotionally transformed but one day until we get out of these bodies uh, we're still in flesh and blood and these flesh and blood bodies are subject to have a craving or a desire uh, for sin. That's why the Bible says that you know the things that are uh, that we have to war against. They're they they're not of a, a physical nature. They're they're supernatural. Uh, but they are still the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. So so the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, but we still have a sin nature because we do have this flesh and blood covering right now. And and the Bible has reminded us in many different places that that there's always this constant uh, war between our human flesh and our Holy Spirit nature. But I thank Jesus that most of the time in most of our lives, and I think you have the same testimony. I'm talking about saved folks right now. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit wins out and we do as the Spirit directs and we don't give into our own flesh But we got to work with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've got to work with him. He he doesn't just take over our minds and and, and make us and compel us to do the things that are right. We've got to work with the Holy Spirit to get rid of some of the reasons why we sin. So let me just give you a couple examples. What are some of the reasons why we sin? Well, first of all, people, our family, our friends, Uh, uh, just random people we meet along the way. Not that anybody can force us to sin unless they're doing it, you know, by threat of physically harming us or physically harming somebody we know. But if they're not physically threatening to do us harm or, or, or they have something they're holding on us, they're not blackmailing us, people can't make us sin. But what people can and will do, people will try to persuade us to engage in sin with them. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we give in. So so people are one of the reasons why we may fall into sin. Another reason is the places that we go. Uh, Bars and clubs and restaurants. Sometimes some of them are no good for us. We don't we don't need to be in certain places because of what goes on in those places, because of the folks who are there who are engaging in sin. If you get in that environment, stay in that environment for too long. You know, unless you're really, really strong, most likely you're going to start to do what the crowd does. Houses. When I say houses, visiting people. In other words, there are some folks we don't need to visit with in their homes or in their house. We don't need to let them come in our house. Why? Because they're engaging in sin. They have a sin nature. They have a a sinful attitude. They they willfully and joyfully engage in sinful behavior. And they want us to do the same. Uh, Sometimes some of the places we visit, you know, beaches and resorts and hotels... Church family, I'm not telling you anything that's not true. You can look it up yourself. There are actually beaches. There are actually hotels and resorts that cater to sexual immorality. And when I say cater to, they they market and advertise themselves as places that people can come and hook up and do some of anything you want to do. There are places in our world. There are places in our country there are places in the United States that are just like that. So what I'm saying is we got to be thoughtful about the places we go, activities that we engage in. We can't read all, there are all kinds of uh, million-seller books that, that are released almost monthly, and, you know, the buzz will start around, oh, you ought to read this book. Well, what's the book about? What is the book about? What's the point of the book? What's the purpose of the book? What are some of the things that are going on in that book? And even though the book may be exciting and Oprah could say that it's on her best her uh, to read list and, and it could be a, a, a New York Times number one bestseller, it may not be the right book for you and for me to read. We got to use discernment, you know, books and um, magazines and and then music and and TV and movies. I mean, again, we we all have preferences. I've got my preferences, but there are some things, even though I may enjoy them music wise or TV-wise or uh, movie-wise, I, I don't have any business watching, continuing to watch those things. Uh, drinking and drugs, uh, those are all reasons why we sometimes fall into sin. And so what we need to do on a regular basis is we, we've got to do some soul cleaning. Amen. We've got we to gotta do some self-examination and see what's there and decide what we need to keep and what we need to get rid of. I, I'm, still in, I'm still in verse number one. The third thing the Hebrew writer says we must do in verse number one, he says we must run with perseverance the race marked out before us. So the question is, why do Christians run a spiritual race? You know, I talked to uh, us last Sunday, the message I preached, and I talked about um, it's it's, it's showtime, and I said that, you know, sometimes I think of my Christian life, and I, I challenge you to think of your Christian life, uh, like as a TV program that, that's, that's being viewed. Well, another way that people have often talked about this, just life in general, whether you say saved or unsaved, people often think of life and, and, and put it in the category of like being a race, you know, that an athlete would run, that, that, that this life is actually run, like running a race, and, and that's what the writer of Hebrews does here. He compares our daily living with running a race, and so uh, why do we run a race as Christians? What is our purpose? What's the, what's the goal that we're trying to accomplish when we, as we live daily? Well, here it is. We run this race called life, this spiritual race called life, because we want to live a holy life that pleases God, a life that's pleasing to Jesus Christ, and a life that makes Jesus attractive to other people. Amen. We run our Christian race Because we want to live a life that is holy and pleasing to our Lord Jesus and that our lives will be make Jesus attractive to other people, specifically to unbelievers. In in other words, our daily lives should glorify Jesus and draw people to him in a nutshell. Our daily lives should glorify Jesus Christ and draw people to Jesus through us. And I know that's right because uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse number 18, Paul wrote that God reconciled us, talking about all humanity. God reconciled all humanity to himself through Jesus Christ. But now, those of us who actually get saved, that we actually accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to us, the God, God has given the ministry. Of reconciliation in other words the work the job uh, of the task of reconciling other unsaved people in in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 19 um it, it says he says paul wrote that that when god reconciles unbelievers to himself he doesn't count their sins against them anymore amen He doesn't count their sins against them anymore. And then finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, this is what Paul wrote. He says, we are therefore Jesus Christ's ambassadors. He's talking about those of us who are saved. We are therefore Jesus Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. Amen. Amen. Jehovah God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our Lord and Savior Jesus, he makes his appeal to unsaved people through those of us who are saved. So that is why we run this spiritual race. Our lives are supposed to glorify Jesus and make other people want to know Jesus because of how they see him operate in our lives. As we run our Christian race with perseverance, Perseverance meaning with determination. God showers us with his favor. As we run, we attract unbelievers to Jesus Christ. And successful long-distance runners, whether they're marathons, half marathons, you know, 2K, 2.5Ks, 5Ks, but successful long-distance runners, they know that as they run, they have to examine themselves every once in a while as they run on their course, in other words, they, they take their own heart rate. You know, they take their heart rate. They they check the pace that they're running at. Um, they might have something or some kind of a smart device that helps them uh, know how much more distance that they have to run before they get to the finish line. But but as they are running, they do these things. They they check themselves along the journey. Well, successful Christians, we need to do the same thing. We're running a race. We're running a marathon. Our lives should be thought of more as a marathon than a sprint. So as we are day-to-day running this race called life, this spiritual race for us called life, uh, we need to check ourselves, and how we check ourselves is by doing some soul cleaning. Amen. For most Christians, uh, like I said, this life, this this day-to-day life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so you need to keep that in mind as we live from day-to-day. Let me move on now to verses 2 and 3. The Hebrew writer gives us two directives. He gives us two directives, one in verse 2 and one in verse 3, that helps us know how we can successfully run our race. In verse number 2, the writer tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the author and the perfecter. Now, the King James Version says he's the author and the finisher, of our faith. Our Christian faith should always begin and end with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Period. End of conversation. Our Christian faith should always begin and end with Jesus Christ. Yes, there are lots of distractions. There are lots of distractions along the way. There are lots of distractions that come across our path. Some we unknowingly or unwittingly uh, walk into some just come into our lives and we know that we're always having to 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 be careful about things that could distract us but even though we have distractions in our lives as we run our Christian race Jesus empowers us to overcome any distraction that comes our way I can support that from the book of Isaiah chapter 26 verse number three it says when anybody keeps their mind focused on Jesus, Jesus keeps that person in perfect peace. Amen. So, yeah, you can be distracted. But then if you go to the Lord in prayer and talk to him about whatever it is that's distracting you, the Lord Jesus will supernaturally do what he needs to do and he'll give you a sense of perfect peace. Uh, the book of Philippians, chapter four, and 13 and verse 13 says that we can do all things through Jesus, who gives us strength. So in other words, yeah, we will have distractions. But if we keep our minds, we keep our eyes fixed on him, in other words, our minds focused on him, he'll empower us with perfect peace. And we can overcome because he'll give us the strength to do what we need to do. Verse number two also tells us that Jesus ran his human race because he knew there was great joy waiting for him, after his great pain and humiliation on the cross. And by the way, he died on that cross for you and me. Jesus' reward for being faithful was his father gave him all power over everything, everywhere. Amen. That was his reward for being faithful and running his race. When he got up on that Sunday morning, we call Easter Sunday morning, he said his father had given him all power in heaven and earth And under the earth. So he has all power over everything, everyone. Not only that, another one of of Jesus' rewards was that he now sits on the right side of his father, and he rules with his father over everything. And he rules forever. Amen. Verse three, let's go on to verse three. Verse three says uh, that the Hebrew writer says, When unsaved folk hate on us, when they verbally or physically attack us for being Christians, we need to remember that people hated Jesus, too, back in his day. But he took it. Amen. You want to know how strong Jesus was when he was hanging up on that cross, dying and had been beaten and blooded and punched on and all that? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus had to deal with both the attacks from the devil And attacks from man. And you and I have to do the same thing. But but no matter what people say or do. We can find comfort in Jesus' own words that he spoke. As they are recorded uh, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6 verse 22. This is from the Good News translation. Jesus said, happy are you when people hate you. When people reject you. When people insult you. And when people say that you are evil. When they do all these things for the son of man's sake. In other words, Jesus says you ought to be happy. Uh, Blessed are you when people hate you and they reject you and they insult you for his sake. Amen. Most Christians want people to like us. And that's all right. There's nothing wrong with wanting people to like us. That's human nature. But if people don't like us because we believe Jesus is right and the unsaved world is wrong, then they just won't like us. Amen. That's the kind of determination you you and I have to have. If people don't like us because we believe Jesus is right and man is wrong, then they just don't like us. We know Jesus way is always the right way and Jesus' way is always the best way. Every single time, church family, I can't tell you, can't stress that enough. In these difficult days, we better know what we believe and why we believe it. Amen. Now. We better know what we believe and why we believe it. I believe Jesus Christ is using today's disciples to show unsaved people. First of all, his love and second, to show his will for their lives. Just remember, before we can help anybody else, we have to make sure we are in right standing with Jesus. Amen. I I close with this. I close with this. In this time of great uncertainty, I encourage every Christian to make time to do some soul cleaning. We need to compare our lives to God's word. That's how you start soul cleaning. Compare your life. Stop looking at the neighbor. Stop looking at your brother and sister in the church. Look at yourself. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your wife. Don't even look at your child. Not initially. Look at you and compare your life to God's word. Whatever is in my life, whatever's in your life that's not pleasing to God, we need to get rid of it. Amen. It won't be easy, I admit that it won't be easy, and, and it may take a while. It's a process, but we have to turn to Jesus. He will give us the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical strength to throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles us. Jesus is the first soul cleaner. Amen. Jesus is the original soul cleaner. He came into this world to clean and to save our souls. That's what he was doing on Calvary's cross. When he let them put him uh, on a cross, he let them nail, hammer nails in his hands and uh, and something, but In fact, historically, they say nah, it wasn't actually his hands, it was his wrist. But when he let them put, drive those nails in his hand or his wrist and in his feet, he was so cleaning because he was doing it for you and me. When he let them put him in that, uh, t- stood that cross up, and, and, and they they, uh, hung him, they hung him high and stretched him wide, uh, he was doing that for us. He was so cleaning All that was part of the spiritual soul-cleaning process for you and me. When Jesus was pierced in his side and his blood and his water came rushing out and fell upon the earth, he was soul-cleaning. When Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, he was soul-cleaning, you and me. When he gave up his ghost, when he gave up his life, when he dropped his head on his shoulder and gave up his ghost, his spirit... He was soul cleaning. Amen. When he stayed in that borrowed tomb for two, and a two days and two nights. But early on that Sunday morning, he got up. He was soul cleaning. He had all power in his hands. And he cleansed our souls forever. Not just those of us who were saved. anybody that's willing to give their life to him. We need to do some soul cleaning. During this time of uncertainty and during this time of anxiety for some people, and I just need to say this, most of the Christians that I've talked to or heard speak publicly, we're not afraid. We're not anxious. I mean, anxiety to some little extent about, you know, we have the same issues as anybody else. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us don't know where perhaps where the next meal is going to come from. Some of us, businesses are going out. But the Christians I've heard speak publicly, by far and large, are not afraid And they're not overly anxious. Why? Because we know who the real source is. It's not in Washington. It's not in London. It's not in Paris. Amen. It's in Jesus Christ. We are trusting Jesus because he does have all power. But not only that, he has all wisdom. But not only that, because he loves us. He loves us, and he's going to look out for us. And Jesus is an equal opportunity lover. He's an equal opportunity lover. He doesn't hate some and love others in the sense of humanity. He hates sin, that's absolutely clear. But if you're a sinner and you're willing to humble yourselves and give your life to Jesus, he'll love you too. He already loves you enough to die for you. But now let him do more for you than just give you breath every day. Let him actually change your life positively, give you that more abundant life he promised. Only Jesus can do it. And he'll take care of you right now during this pandemic and on the other side. And he'll use you to be a blessing to others, those who are saved and unsaved. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has been pushing on your heart, you want to give your life to Jesus Just join me in this short prayer. Lord, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you were raised from the dead. Now, Jesus, help me be who you called me to be and use me to bless others. In your name, Jesus, I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, you are now part of the body of Christ, you are saved. Hallelujah to his name. I rejoice for you and with you that you are now saved and sanctified, amen. To God be all the glory. I'm gonna ask Steve to um, give us just a short selection And uh, when he finishes, I'll give the benediction.
1: Anything in my life That's not like you Please take it away from me Take it away from me Anything in my life There's not pleasing in your sight Please take it away from me Take it away from me Cause I wanna be used 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 by you Please take it away from me Take it away from me, because I want to be used, or oh, used, used by you. Please take it away from me. Take it away from me. Take it
0: away Have from our benediction. Me. And now may the grace of our take Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his Holy take Spirit, Rest rule and above with us henceforth forevermore. Amen.
1: Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen.